Welcome to Conversations with Buddy, coming to you live from the Rec Podcast Recording Studio here in Kaiser, Oregon. I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today, uh, Scott Weigel. Uh, real quick, the, the goal of this podcast is to allow everyday people to share their story and impact you with their lives. So, Scott, welcome. Thanks for having me. Dude, thanks for having uh, Thanks for coming, man. This is awesome. Uh, thinking back, you and I have known each other for probably... 15 years? Yeah, 14, probably 14, 15. Yeah. And right, just, right after 2008, so 14. Right after 2008. Yeah. Okay. And I knew you as a guy who was in his 20s. Now you're in your late 30s, which is boggles my mind because I still think you're a guy in your late 20s. Now, I've, we've met for a million times. Yep. Um, but I knew you, I think I knew you before you got married or I right when you got married. I had just gotten married and didn't have any of my three daughters yet. And I love your Facebook post. Um, you're a girl dad. Hashtag so, girl dad. Hashtag girl dad. You know, I can relate there, but you we can. tell me about uh, being a girl dad. That's really awesome. Man, I, just now I've discovered. So my oldest one's 12. She's in seventh grade and going to a different school than the other two. And the commute to school, she just said yesterday, she goes, dad, I'm really enjoying that drive time with you. So it's, just getting that slow time. The other day <clears throat> we were coming back, excuse me, from one of her volleyball games an hour away. And for the full hour, we just drove in silence and she wanted a little tea or something. So we got that. And then she saw a big bag of uh, sunflower pickle flavored sunflower seeds. And for an hour, we just ate those. And she was trying to teach me some silly song and just an hour of silence, no music or anything. And that was just this week. So the more I've learning to slow down and just listen to them and enjoy them, doing themselves man that's a good stuff so how long did it take you to figure that out to just kind of slow down let the silence allow them to speak because i think sometimes as dads we want to inject all this wisdom and experience and then our kids are like i don't really want to hear that but you you allowing your daughters to talk i mean what is that like i'm still guilty of uh, preaching too <laughs> much for sure uh, i actually had a pretty profound experience that i i think helps shape if I, if I do some things right as a father, uh, so when my middle daughter was born 10 years ago, uh, was in, I was in the early startup phase of my business that I'm in now, and it didn't go very well. And uh, I was having to spend lots and lots of time at it, just all my time. And I really don't actually have very clear memories of my middle daughter uh, as a baby because I was out working all the time. Interesting. And uh, I don't really know how many years into it I became aware of that, but once I became aware of that, that was a game changer for me where I've always made it a priority to not have the phone on if I'm at home or just to sit in the car and eat sunflower seeds with them or whatever because I, I have a blank space that's really painful. You know, that's a lesson right there. We could actually just stop the podcast and really just make that the message. Turn off our phones. Be present. Oftentimes we're with our families, our wives, our kids, and we're thinking about we're there both physically but mentally or emotionally we're somewhere else and you're practicing that that's something i've learned with you we probably meet once or twice a year have for i, I don't know i'd say well all those 14 years all those 14 years yep it's some of the funnest times i have is seeing you grow a, as a husband and also then as a father of two three daughters you know i have two daughters so we have that in common so mm -hmm. we can go okay how how do you navigate this area there's no perfect dad, and you're not perfect at it, but you work at it, and that's really important. Uh, so talk to us about being married. Actually, before that, talk to us about where did you grow up at? 
uh, what was life like as a child? And then how does that make you who you are today into your marriage and fatherhood? Yeah, I was born and raised right here in Salem. Uh, went down to Oregon State for college and go then Beavs. worked up in Go Beavs. Worked up at Lake Oswego and then back down here in Salem. So I've, I always joke I've lived my life in about an hour and a half commute. I haven't traveled very far. Uh, my wife's from Salem also. The neat story there is we actually met in kindergarten and first grade. And then she left schools and we didn't get reunited till age 21 through another kindergarten friend getting married who invited another kindergarten friend who's one of my good friends, Kevin, to that. And then he connected to he, – he asked – her to come to his birthday party, and then that's how Heidi and I got reconnected at age 21. Uh, but so lifetime Salemite, my upbringing was uh, just I'm an only child. So it was me and my mom and dad, Dennis and Christine. They moved here from Chicago, and uh, they moved away from Chicago and the big city life to try to be in a calmer community to raise me. And so I, uh, I, had, a, I had a very calm upbringing. They were on a little acre and a half lot outside of town, and I'd run around with wood sticks, pretending they were guns, fighting wars, and was just a little boy out in the back, and uh, uh, went to St. Joseph's, then Blanchette, and then, like I said, Oregon State, and I don't know, one, one little funny memory I always talk about is, so Heidi's family, my wife's very big family, so it was a bit of a culture shock when I started going to dinners over there and experiencing what seven, eight people around a dinner table feels like, because for my family, when we would have dinner, when my dad would talk, we'd look at my dad. And when he was done talking, we'd look at my mom and then I'd get a chance to talk. And then I would go over to this larger family dinner and all eight people were talking and everyone was talking and passing and no one's actually listening to anybody. And it was just this overwhelming piece for me trying to figure out how to navigate that. They used to laugh at me on that. That's funny. I, I think just actually recently I was thinking of I, something I think I do well is listen. I've been complimented by others on that. And I think I wonder how much of those dinner table talks with my folks came from that because it was a priority. We had it, we had dinner table or dinner talks most nights and it was a listening circle. And, uh, I, I just became aware of that in my mind recently. I wonder how much that might influence my listening abilities now. But it does. Hey, are your, are your parents still married? Yes. Yeah. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary in the, in the middle of COVID. 50. Yeah. So they're at 52 now, just, uh, last month. That's crazy. Well, Scott, that's awesome to hear. And I don't think I knew that you were an only child. I don't know why that ever came up because that's really important when I think of, uh, like, I have an older sister. So I'm a second born. So I've studied firstborns versus secondborns. By the way, you're you're an only child. What is Heidi? Is she a firstborn, secondborn? She'd technically be a third. She's a thirdborn. Yeah, she's so, a twin. So then she's right a few minutes before her sister. Okay, she, she's she a twin. Yeah. Didn't know that either. Sam learned all kinds of stuff about you. Mm-hmm. So typically, this is not always the way, firstborns don't typically marry firstborns because they're too much alike. Now, they do. It happens. But um, I'm a secondborn, and my wife is a firstborn. So just kind of funny. A little, little food for thought for you. But uh, let's talk about what you do for a living. I know you work uh, as a financial planner. You have for, what, 14 years? Tell us about that. Yeah, I've been a financial advisor for 14 years. I thought it was a good idea. <clears throat> to quit my easy study bank job and go full time as a independent sales financial advisor in May 2008. Uh, benefit of hindsight, that may not have been the best timing. I remember in September wondering who Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns were and why that mattered so much and why no one wanted to talk about money for a long time. Right. So the timing was pretty rough. 
But then also it kind of gave me trial by fire and I think put a lot of things into perspective of how hard times can be. Uh, timing of that too. So May is when I started in this business. June's when we got married. So we, our marriage was started right into the middle of a very difficult season of trying to figure out how to start this business. And then a year after that, we had our first kid. So uh, it was a very, very crazy, fierce few years. And then that's where I'd mentioned earlier, too many hours at points, I think. Uh, I know. And all of that, though, just has built a momentum where I've gone through a few iterations, have changed companies a few times. And this current group we're with now, man, it's, it's, it's a special group. Yeah. So you went to... You graduated from high school, from Blanchett. You went to Oregon State. What did you study at Oregon State? I started in computer science because I <clears throat> Blanchett was a new school at that point, and I had helped set up the computer lab and set up all kinds of things, computers. So I thought I loved computers. Then when I went to Oregon State, and it was about how to code and do a bunch of different aspects like that, it was actually a telling moment in my life because I looked around, and these other kids in the class loved it. I mean, they were excited. Like at midnight, after they were done coding, they would do another program just for fun. And me, it was just torture and you know nails on a chalkboard. So it was actually really good to see that. I think we really do have callings in some cases, and some people have an aptitude and enjoyment for things, and that's okay if it didn't. So I moved away from computer science, took just kind of a year floating, and then wound up in business, and then specifically with finance and ec economics. Economics was kind of a neat story. It was the worst grade I got in college. Got, got a D and uh, just I just didn't click the first time through. You know, I would at that point blame it on the professor, but it's still on me to figure it out. So it was kind of funny where I think there was almost a chip on my shoulder where I turned around after that bad grade in economics. I didn't have to get my minor in that, but I think there was almost this chip on the shoulder because of being embarrassed about how bad that went. It was like, I'm going to, I'm going to double down and show I can really do this. So you have some fire in you. You like to, it sounds like you like a challenge. And if you're, in the financial world, you know, you, you talk about Lehman Brothers in 2008. If you survived that, hey, you got married the same year of 2008, hindsight's 2020, but you survived. You are a fighter. You have to be to have lived through that. And by the way, we're kind of going through something similar right now. So let's just talk about current events right now. What is your thoughts on the state of the market as a financial advisor advising people? What are you telling them? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The biggest thing people are asking when they call is they just want reassurance and confidence. I think most people understand at some level that everything's going bad in the markets across all of them. So I haven't really had anyone blaming why you, why are you doing this? But just they're calling and saying, tell me it'll be okay. Tell me this was in the plan. And that's something that we've started telling people is it's really hard that we're going through this now. But when we talked a few years ago and we said where we were going to go, we didn't know when this was going to happen, but we knew something like this was going to happen along the way. So this is in there. This is calculated. And unless your plans have changed, we need to stick with the same plan and weather through this. And yeah. you can see people's body language change. We had some folks just come in yesterday, this couple, and uh, arms crossed, didn't want to be there, just so tired and upset of seeing their statements just going down, 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 and being able to talk with us and us explain, again, some of what I just said and talking about even just acknowledging because if anybody claims to know what's going to happen next, the reason the markets are going so poorly this year is no one thought the Federal Reserve would let this get away from them. They kept thinking that they would get ahead of it and they keep throwing in the towel and saying, oops, we need to do more. Oops, we need to do more. And every time they're doing that, that's where you're seeing these corrections happen. But being able to at least explain what's happened, but not trying to 
uh, guess at what's going to happen next. They left different. We were talking about fall like you and I were and whether they like fall and summer more. And you can see people's tonality change once they just get once they get told that it's, it'll be okay. Yeah. Well, you set people on a journey. Uh, I recently listened to a Michael Saylor. He's a big crypto guy. And whether you like crypto or not, he's a pretty smart guy. But he goes, if somebody gets involved in, in an investment, whether it's crypto or your financial planner's plan, you know, you don't do it for a year or a week. You have a plan to do it for 10 years and 20 years. So nobody gets wealthy overnight. Nobody gets wealthy in a year. So if you're on that journey for, and you have a plan that's long-term for 10 years, well, then you kind of already know what to expect. There are up markets and there are down markets, but there are more up markets than down markets. It's part of the journey. And just reminding people that that's probably, I I think that's what I was reminded of. It's just a a season and uh, this too shall pass. And like it did in 2008, Uh, I remember 2001 when I was in uh, the industry I'm in, interest rates went to... 8.5 8.5 on a 30-year loan and uh, from like 6.5. Now we've been in the market where rates are in the threes and now they're up to seven. So it's, it's an interesting time, yes. but this too shall pass and just stay the course. So, all right. So you've been married for, you said 14 years. Mm-hmm. You have three daughters. You've done some vacationing. And if I remember right, you go to the same place every summer. Christmas, uh, around Christmas. Around Christmas. Yeah. All right. To- I want to hear about that. It's a fun story, uh, how it started. But so the end part is, yeah, so we've gone the week before Christmas to somewhere near Sun River. It was Eagle Crest a couple years, but somewhere around Sun River the week before. And that's just became our family routine. How it started is really neat. I don't, it would have been actually my middle daughter's seven and she was a baby. So seven years ago is when it started. We went to the older two's schools auction. And this was, again, we were at a point we didn't, we didn't have much money. So I think we only went to the auction because someone invited us to sit at their table for free. Otherwise we probably wouldn't have paid to go. And we had no, we didn't even talk about a budget of what we would spend. It was just a given. We weren't going to spend anything. And so we were watching everyone else bid and we were just having fun with social socializing, having a good meal. And then during the live auction, they had, and what loosely in my memory was, this was like the first of December. And it said, December 17th, there's a week in Eagle Crest. So it's not any week, it's in two weeks, you have to be there. And I think because of how sudden it was, no one else bid on it. And so it started at some reasonable number and they dropped it and they dropped it. And then it seriously went down to like $150 for a week. And just without even thinking, my hand just raised. Heidi's eyes get really big because she hadn't quite tracked the same dynamics of what were going on. She just saw me bidding all of a sudden on a week in Eagle Crest. I was like, it's $150. Like we can return cans or something. We'll figure this out. And then someone else bid just a little bit, but we got it for just next to nothing. And so then as we leave, my family didn't, when I grew up, because they'd come from Chicago, we hadn't gone to Central Oregon more than once for a soccer tournament. So as we leave, I literally looked at Heidi and was like, where's Eagle Crest? That's funny. <laughs> we, we got it. Now we need to figure out how to get there. But it was probably at that point, so seven years into our marriage, I think it was the first week we had taken off. So more than Eagle Crest and more than Central Oregon, more than the snow, more than Christmas, more than any of that. It was the first time that I think her and I had actually just slowed down for a full week together with these babies that we had. At that point, we would have had a five and two-year-old, three-year-old, and then uh, this one-year-old. So that, the significance of it was so big that the next year we figured out, how, or we said, how do we make this happen again? It's a great question. So you guys made it a tradition to do this every single year. Yep. Wow. So you're creating memories with your, your wife and your daughters. You, and you recently went and 
like a lot of people, they go on vacation, but they might be thinking about work. How are you on vacation? Better now. <laughs> Definitely. Is, is that from your wife or is that what you think? I think she agrees. Well, I, I definitely we could ask her, but I, I, I just don't even bring my computer sometimes anymore. We, I won't go into the details of it, but my team now handles that. So if some a call comes in, even if they need my opinion, I tell them and then they know what to do with it. So yeah. I just don't need the technology to execute on it. So cool. So I'm able to leave that. Yeah. Funny, actually funny story. Uh, I cheated two years ago and brought my computer and two days in, it just died. I was sitting there and it just went black and something happened. Like when we got back to town, you know, back to civilization later, it was the computer had just crashed and died. So I think the spirit didn't want me to work and just literally his computer got zapped about two days in. It's like, funny. okay, I guess I don't get to work on this one, but perfect. It, it, it's more, it's sincerely only in more recent years. Yeah. Uh, and we would even do experiments of where, I mean, I would argue I had to, I literally couldn't when I didn't have people around me to fill in while I was gone. So we would create a temple more of like, I would work for two hours in the morning. Or something just to take the edge off of the ever mounting emails and calls and everything. And then actually, I think the family saw in me, if I just got that done, just that little bit that helped yeah. then me to be more present the rest of the day. But again, the positioning is much better now where I can really leave that behind when we go and with confidence, know when I come back, there's sometimes even less than what I left with. Yeah. I think I saw you and your wife out recently. My wife and I were out celebrating a birthday or something yep. and we saw you at a local restaurant what were you guys celebrating that night yeah, it was at cozy taberna cozy taberna one of our new favorites wow awesome and it was our uh, 14th anniversary 14th anniversary yep. i love honestly as as a guy who gets mentored by guys and who mentors guys and you and i've connected a lot and i'm part of your family whether you know it or not i do know it um i love seeing you dating your wife like that actually means something to me. Same man. Like high five, bro. Good job. And we know exactly what we're talking about. So you guys celebrated 14 years. What's that mean to your wife? Uh, you taking her out in the town and doing that? I'll answer, but real quick too. So we moved earlier this year, but previously I lived near you. And something I liked was I would drive by and I'd see you and your wife walks on your walks. That's funny. I wouldn't honk and yell or anything, but I would just, just notice that you two were out, out walking in, the, in an evening. So... I, that, that hit me. It sounds like maybe the date night hit, hit you. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we always need to get even better at it. We're, we're, we're doing some date nights now and we do sometimes away. Uh, we're trying to schedule maybe a night away this month even. Uh, so we, we're always trying to improve on it. The, the busyness of three kids and school and just everything is, is really difficult to, you need to be intentional. It, it's, it's not going to just happen. We're getting to dabble with now, you know, the, the 12 year olds old enough and responsible enough. So like we may just go head down the, head down the hill in West Salem, not too far. You know, we had an earthquake this morning in case an earthquake takes the bridge out. So we can't get back to them or something, right. but we, we, we'll just go somewhere close and even just starting to dabble with some little outings or go walk to get the mail by ourselves. And, um, but we, we had a pretty good rhythm over the summer and then school season has come roaring back in where right now that's something that's actively being discussed by us like how, how do we get better at that or how do we re-implement that right that's awesome what for me another piece i guess as i think about your question what i've gotten better at is in my business life i have to be prepared i have to have an agenda everything has to have intention and outcomes and measure and unfortunately i brought that to our dates i like we'll we, see. we need to talk about goals and she, would, I remember she's like, I don't want to talk about goals. I didn't understand why she didn't though. So it was, it took a little while to figure all, figure through, through that. 
and now it's kind of funny now we do talk about that more but it was leaving just space in those times where there doesn't have to be a certain outcome yeah i I've heard it before, and so then I've noticed it. Like a real happy place is even just driving in silence with your wife. Maybe you're holding hands and just comfortable being by each other, and yeah, you don't have anything specific at that moment to talk about. Well, I think what you you kind of alluded to it with your daughter recently. You were coming back from soccer or something, and there was just silence, and you kind of let the the natural flow. There was no agenda. And I think as guys, we're driven for agenda. Like, what's the goal? What you know? Uh, and our wives are like, whoa. And, but they do want to talk about goals and thoughts in their own time. We just have to let that naturally flow Yes, because you can't force things. And by the way, when you have expectation uh, with your wife or kids, sometimes that leads to disappointment, I found. So learning to be patient, let it flow naturally, ask a few open-ended questions, get the dialogue going, and then pretty soon you're talking about something I would just say for you. You know, I always say this here, the idea of going to Disneyland and taking your kids to Disneyland is actually funner than being at Disneyland. Have you ever been to Disneyland and saw some little kid crying because he's hot and tired? The point being, uh, when you and your wife are thinking about traveling, go three months out, go a year out, plan a trip a year out, because in a year you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. But your wife will appreciate, hey, you're thinking about her, and you can also get on the calendar because there's nothing too pressing if you try to plan something this weekend, well, it probably won't work. So you may know the verse that like basically without a vision, the people perish. I would also say without showing your wife or your kids some type of uh, vision or the idea of anticipating a future event, that's actually a lot of fun. So my wife, I can say, hey, where should we go in January? It's just a question. She's like, huh, St. Thomas sounds pretty good. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. It's just a question. Yep. But now I've got her on board with going, because I want to go to St. Thomas, but I can't tell her where I want to go. I just kind of let her speak. Is that, does that sound familiar? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. This year is the first time we've booked the uh, Sun River trip. We talked about that Christmas one. We booked it a few months ago. We usually scramble, scramble, and at the very end, what's available, and okay, good, we'll go there. So this time we have a certain place we really like, and we booked it out far enough ahead and got it, and have enjoyed some of that. The kids know we're going and they bring it up. So They're stoked. I can see that, yeah. That's so cool. This is awesome, man. I love chatting with you and just seeing where you're at. It's good. Okay, so you go, what church you go to? Queen of Peace. Queen of Peace. How long have you been going there? Baptized there as a baby. As a baby, man. You've been there your whole life. Married and... there. My kids were baptized there. My kids go to school there. Dude, right on. What's it mean to you to be... Uh, and my wife works there now too. Okay. What's it mean to you to, to be a part of Queen of Peace and... And raise your family there. The the community is great, I, and just even I think any com- that is a great community. But the continuance of that community has been really neat, and you just get to know so many people. And uh, we were at a church mission this week, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night, and we sat next to my folks. And my mom and dad are sitting in the pew next to us, and we're going through the same same process together. So uh, I I take that for granted because that's all I've known. But I know that's not most experience, but. It's just it's it's familiar and that's that's really comforting. It it for I I hadn't actually thought of this, but as I'm th- answering your question, it's really easy for me to get still quick there because it's familiar. The law of familiarity, we can get really comfortable there. I'll just share just a quick story of a friend of mine just went through a, a divorce recently, and 
what he would tell you is that he wasn't intentional. Looking back, because hindsight's twenty twenty, because you you definitely use that word intentionality. Mm-hmm. It's a big word that sometimes we miss as guys. But I see you being intentional. But there's also that law of familiarity where you can take things for granted. Mm-hmm. How would you say you get through that and remember how special your your parents are, your wife is, and your kids are, and not forget? You ask it again. So. Yeah, that's a great question. So how do you how does Scott be intentional? And while there's a law of familiarity, how do you stay intentional with your you know your family, your wife, your 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 parents, your wife, and your kids? Mm. I'm I'm at my best with intentionality when I leave time for silence. Uh, Heidi and the kids usually are going to bed. So, uh, I, by nine o'clock, I just have that last hour by myself. If I spend it on Instagram or TV or something like that, the next day seems a little busier, a little more out of control. And then those days compound. But if I spend that in just silence or planning out ahead, or that, that's where I think I can realize where I need to do more intentionality or what that intention might even look like. Hmm. Another thing that's improved on it's, kind of a parallel to that same question, but I've been noticing recently, intentionality can be that you intentionally show up to be present. I think I always thought intentionality was I had to show up with answers and trusting more that uh, if it's my business or marriage or kids, I've been doing all those for 12 to 14 years now. There are most situations I'll, I'll probably have an answer for. And if I let the spirit guide me and what that answer should be rather than the one I premeditated before the moment, odds are the other one will be the right one and honestly probably the one that is more needed to be shared by the group. Yeah. How often do you think you let the spirit guide you and not Scott? <laughs> I, I don't know. My math mind tries to come up with like a percentage of time and everything. So I, I have good seasons and I, I, I have weak seasons. I, I know looking back that the biggest moves in my life, career and family were all spirit and weren't me. It, at that moment, I had a different vote than what wound up happening. Uh, when we had all three kids, Heidi said, I think we should have a kid. I was like, I don't think we should have a kid or another kid at this moment yet. And she talked me through it. And then, and then we, 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 uh, we move forward or with my business, I had a few different times. This could be a long story. I, I won't go into it now, but there were a few pivotal moments where a fork in the road came that I didn't want. I didn't want that fork in the road. But it came and I had to pick away and my ego knew the way I should go based on what I'd been doing before. But still there was enough friction. I waited to make the decision. And then a few times I had pretty spiritual moments where it was clear I needed to go another way. And now when I look back, it looks like I'm a genius because of how things have played out. But in actuality, a lot of those paths I chose weren't actually the ones I would have chose. Interesting. I know because we've talked in the past that it's like you're you're in South Salem. You're driving downtown, and you Jack in the Box. You pull over to Jack in the Box, and you've done that many times. Just tell a quick story on that one. There, it's kind of funny. Yeah, the uh, office I was in was going to change, so it, I, I couldn't choose to keep it the same. So I could either go out and do my own thing, or I could follow the group and do the new thing. And my ego wanted to do my thing because this was roughly seven years in. So I'd put all my own sweat equity in and thought. I know what I'm doing, even though, again, when I look back, I see different now, but 
I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it on my own. And so I, the discernment process was probably one of the more stressful times in my life. I, I was really stressed. And I won't, everyone's been there. So just wherever that is for you, just that's where it is. I can try to describe that more, but really stressed. And one day go home from work, still discerning on it and basically went home to hoping Heidi would tell me the answer. And thankfully she didn't. She throughout that process said, no, you, you need to decide. She'd help give me thoughts, but she wouldn't just decide it. But if I'm being real vulnerable and honest, I went into the kitchen and was just hoping she would tell me what to do. So I didn't have to decide anymore, but she didn't. So then I turned around and started driving back, turned left by that, uh, the, uh, Trader Joe's over there out south. And as I'm turning left, I'm going by Jack in the Box. The only significance I'll describe more in a moment, but I'd just been wrestling with it. And then just all of a sudden, I just felt a stillness, like it's so much so that it made me feel, it was so different than what I'd been feeling for a few months that it stood out. I was just this absolute calmness. And all of a sudden, I wasn't even asking the question. I wasn't praying or asking for it. I was yelling about it in my head and it was just do it. I joke sometimes, I don't know if that was, you know, Nike slipping into my head or what, but that's seriously, just, just do it. And I said, it doesn't make sense. And the answer I got back was, it doesn't have to. And then I asked a lot more questions and I didn't get any more answers. But I noticed at that moment I was driving by Jack in the Box. The reason that's relevant then is two years later, I faced another really difficult decision and was driving to have a really hard conversation where I was going to probably not be the best version of myself and lay out for this person why they were wrong. I had all the arguments, man. They're all writ out, written out in a notepad in my phone. And I'm really glad I never had that conversation because I was not asking any questions again. And as I was driving, that same stillness hit me. And it, it was so shocking. I looked around and for some reason I was driving right by that same stupid Jack in the box. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the significance is there, but, uh, it's not an endorsement for Jack in the Box either. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool that you you let God work in your life. Is there a Bible verse that comes to mind that you meditate on or think about? Mm. Not, there's not a specific verse recently. The There's a, a, a prayer, the St. Joseph the Worker prayer, yeah. that I pray mo- most mornings uh, when, when I'm getting, getting ready. So I've probably prayed that same prayer every morning for the last 14 years. That's awesome. And I think that that's probably the, the grounding that I have. And yeah. More I'll be reflecting on what I'm reading at that point. Yeah. I know you're a reader and it's awesome. As you, as we wrap up this podcast, uh, and you think about legacy, what do you want to be known for when you die? I want to be known as being a good family man. Uh, I want to be known as a, as a good listener. I want to be known as someone who, uh, it was obvious that they had faith. I probably can get better at sharing it, but just at least obvious that I have it. Um, and then just someone that helps impact whatever it is, whether that's business or nonprofit or community or just in a friend coffee talk someone that just helps make an impact in whatever the other person needs yeah that'd be a pretty good eulogy that'd be incredible and quite honestly you've done that you've you've grown you've showed up i see you out there in lots of different ways speaking and you're not just talking about you're actually doing it and that matters. So I would just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. And uh, you make your wife proud. 
make your kids proud. Heck, I'm proud to to be your friend. So I'll look forward to our next coffee that we have. It's time to get caught up again over coffee. Definitely. If somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about, well, anything, the way you impact, whether it's married, raising three daughters, yeah. your financial business, how would somebody contact you to learn more about Scott? I heard you ask your other guests that, and I have overthought that answer. I could give out my work info, but that's not really what I want to lead with here. If you want, you can find my name and you could find that off Google. So my email is just my last name, Weigel, S-W-I-E-G-A-L-S at Hotmail, or look me up on Facebook. I'd rather meet people personally first. I think that's incredible. I think that's who you are. You're not here to sell a product. You're here to impact people and to bring out the best in them. So you do that well. Well, hey, thanks for being a part of our podcast today. Uh, thanks to The Rec for allowing us to do our podcast here every single week. And uh, we appreciate you all. We look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks, buddy.